LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Peter Blanch. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. Now, The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to Reach Australia. We want to see... 200 new churches launched across Australia in the next 10 years. Uh, we've got a vision to see uh, healthy churches, but we also want to see healthy new churches. If we're going to reach Australia, we need church planning to be at the centre of what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, Pete, summer. What does summer look like in the uh, Blanche household? I'm, I'm assuming lots of beach cricket. Oh, lots time of by the pool. Enjoy the enjoy the cricket. The 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 thing for us is uh, it's the holidays for the university year. I know that many universities have gone to three semesters, so it's not as long. But we get our daughter home. Love yeah, that. so it's you're, just great you've to see now her. got you've now clicked over and got the the, the daughter in university. You've That's right. Reach that next life stage. That's right. So you are old. You I are am old. old. <laughs> I genuinely am old. That's right. For now, you've pressed play on another episode of the One Thing: Expectations for Giving. This is, I think, really important. I think having right expectations in church life is important for a whole bunch of areas. I think it's important for the Christian life. Uh, we, we ought to know that the Christian life is going to involve uh, suffering and persevering. It's not going to be uh, you know, a cruise, a cruise ship. Uh, likewise, uh, what are the expectations we ought to have around giving in church life? I think if a senior pastor and a pastoral team has right expectations, they won't be anxious uh, they won't be uh, reactive. Oh, we've got to go out and send off the email. Mm-hmm, Everyone mm-hmm. needs to give more. Uh, they'll also be able to be planned uh, and they'll be able to use this as a discipleship tool, a discipleship uh, right. you know, function and mechanism. Yes. Uh, we, often, you know, we often talk about the, the wallet being the last thing to be converted. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start with the Bible. Yep. Uh, what are the principles at play as we think about uh, giving? The first principle for mine has always been our God is not stingy. It's amazing how open-handed, generous he is. And our giving in response, well, is, is in response to his generosity to us, in response to his grace for us. It, it was, he is really being, what's the right words here, outrageously, outlandishly generous towards us. For our people, who, for, for, for God's people who follow him, to be tight-fisted, stingy givers, just speaks of a wrong response to an open-handed, generous God. And and I think often people hear you're just talking about money here, but I know you're talking about being uh, outrageous in a whole bunch of areas. Yeah, outrageous generosity with your time, with your skills, your talents, your energy, any, like your whole of life. God, God owns you twice, right? He made you and then he redeemed you. He owns you twice. You have a, the right understanding of a there's a debt to be owed to him in some ways, a debt of gratitude, a debt of thanks, uh, but far beyond the debt language and duty language is just the love of God and just out of love, sheer love and delight in him using whatever you have to serve him. So God is a generous giver, abundant yeah. generous giver. Yeah, that's exactly right. What other principles? One of the key principles is um, is to motivate people by, by that grace. I think if you're going to think about expectations for giving, one of the key things, one of the key principles in place here is to motivate people to give, not out of uh, fear, although fear is a strong motivator for people, not out of guilt, although guilt, again, is a very strong motivator to people. I think as church leaders, our expectations on ourselves ought to be our God motivates us uh, through grace. Uh, uh, we ought to be motivating people to give through grace. 
uh, that ought to be a principle at, at play in any church. And and I, and I think that's important. You know, two Corinthians eight and nine. That yeah. that's kind of my favourite passage on sort of motivating and encouraging me. Uh, but there's that uh, there's that phrase. Uh, you know, verse seven of chapter nine. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Now I'm reading here from the Holman, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, you know, the motivation for Paul to in um, you know to encourage mm. uh, you know encourage the church. You know, it comes out of that grace, uh, but he, he pushes he pushes hard. You know, and he, and he uses the example of the Macedonian church. You know, be 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 like them. Yeah. They have been the first to give, and they've continued to give. Uh, you know, he speaks about them in in Philippians as well as having that partnership, that relationship. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's kind of all critical as as we uh, think and talk about uh, about money. Yeah, there's another principle at play here, which is the uh, perspective, really, the perspective on who actually owns yourself or who owns the money you've got. There's that view of, I've worked hard, I've done this, this is my money to use my way, and the Bible keeps on saying, no, it's it's never like that. Uh, you are a steward of the things that God's entrusted to you. It's it's His time and. It's his life that he's given you, and it's his money. He's even given you the ability, if you go back to uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 8, I think it is, he's given you the ability to earn, right, even the ability to do it. It's mm. all his, and that perspective of uh, this is not mine, this is my king's resources to be used for the king's desires, and that perspective is a key uh, a key thing to have in now, the whole area of giving. Now, I want to I want to just push into sort of your time as a pastor at, at Wagga mm. uh, Evangelical Church, because I think often a lot of pastors are reluctant to talk about money. Um, you know, there's there's so kind of lots of taboo topics that we have just in our culture, uh, and talking about giving money, people's generosity, it's just something that we often you know don't push into as pastors. Uh, but again, I, I think it's critical, critical for your, your discipleship and, and for your walk with Jesus. Look, as a pastor, I, I felt this moment, I'm sure every pastor listening to has, and uh, our abil- the, the ability to self-sabotage in this moment is very real uh, because pastors feel the conflict of interest, what, what, what is seen as a conflict of interest, that how can they preach about money and speak about giving generously when they are they themselves are the direct, well, part of direct recipients of the money that is that is that is given. And so they can feel that self-sabotage moment. But this, I think, is a very clear self-awareness moment, Scott. Um, if you hop into the pulpit to preach the Word of God, you're preaching the Word of God. You're not preaching yourself. You're not preaching your own agenda. And if Jesus, as he addresses his people through his Word, wants to speak to them about money, then you've got to have that perspective which says, who am I to censor Jesus here just because I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable? You'll notice in the Scriptures how often Jesus wants to speak to us about money. It's such a key... It's 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 a it's really a, a a key test of your love and devotion to the Lord, mm. and Jesus can see that, and He makes a beeline for it regularly because here is one of those litmus tests of what do you really think, what do you really believe, what is really going on in your heart, and what are you living for. He talks to us about money lots, and we preachers need to talk to our our church families, God's precious people, about money lots. Now uh, I want to get start getting into the weeds and some some of the pragmatics here. Start yeah. thinking into you know, how do we measure this? How do we think about this in church life? Uh, we often talk about measuring uh, giving units. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you mean by that? Am I a giving unit? A giving unit. You could measure it just by individuals. 
And then you could go, what's how many individuals are at our church? What's our church budget? Let's divide that by the individuals and we get what we want everyone to give. The problem at that point is some of your individuals are going to be five-year-olds. Some of them are going to be two-year-olds. Some of them are going to be 17-year-olds. Not all of them are going to be adults. Not all of them are going to be in a position of great employment or wealth. The idea of a giving unit is, 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 more like, is that language of like a household. Uh, how many households do you have in your church family? They are that it's the household that is giving, not just the individual, and then thinking through our uh, people's giving through through giving units is a probably more more wise way to think. Now, uh, we talk about this, and we talk about the average uh, giving that giving units uh, you know give to the church. This is on our health snapshot. Mm. Now, why is giving a, a health metric? It's a clear health metric, Scott, because uh, it, like I said before, it's a litmus test of the heart. It's hard to be someone who is saying, Jesus is my Lord and my King, and so I follow and submit and obey him in everything except my back pocket or my, my, my bank account, my, my hip pocket. Uh, if Jesus has converted you, he's con- he owns and is the ruler of all of your life, including your wallet. So here is a great opportunity to serve the Lord and for churches thinking about the health of their church Giving is actually an indication of the maturity of people in your church. Mm. So uh, how do we get realistic expectations on this? I imagine it looks different if I'm in Barala uh, than Bellevue Hill. Uh, how do, those are two Sydney suburbs. And yeah. uh, for those who aren't in Sydney, and those are two Sydney suburbs at the uh, opposite ends of, uh, of, of the scale. So how do we get a sense of, uh, you know, of, of what are reasonable expectations for, uh, for giving? Well, for me, this comes back down to principles again. So some churches go very hard on the tithing, and they say you must tithe ten percent. They're getting it from an Old Testament, the Old Testament commands. I, as you read the New Testament, it's fascinating that that come, the, the, it's, we're, we're free from the law. There's no law saying you've got to give ten percent. Now, in that freedom, some people have been given far less than ten percent. I, I think as you read the Macedonian example you had before, they clearly weren't ten percenters. They didn't look at Jesus' work on the cross and go, "Geez, covered ten percent of my sin. I'll give ten percent." They were like a hundred and ten percenters, weren't they? They were giving. They were. They were, it said that they were kind of begging for the opportunity to give. Most people who are beggars, they're begging for money. The Macedonians are begging to give it away. They're just such a great example, aren't they? So what does it look like, though? <laughs> well, for mine, as I was at Wagga, I, I regularly taught on the idea of... Uh, I've thought about graduated giving is how I thought about it. So I was saying to our church family regularly that, look, if someone is on uh, unemployment benefits and and say they were thinking about giving... Uh, I'm not quite sure what the unemployment benefits are nowadays. Say that's $40,000 a year. I, d- I don't know what it is. If they gave 10%, $4,000, they've still got $36,000 to live on. It's hard to live on $36,000. Would you expecting them to give away $4,000? I, I think the way in which our society in Australia runs, that that's probably unrealistic and not necessarily a sign of a stingy heart. However, having said that, if someone in our church family was earning a million dollars a year and they were giving away, say, $100,000... They, that's ten percent. They still got nine hundred thousand to live on. They don't need nine hundred thousand dollars to live on on an annual basis. They ought to be thinking graduate. Their giving ought to be far greater. I mean, even if they gave fifty percent away, they still got a half a million dollars to live off. Like it's, they ought to be thinking a much greater level of giving because it should be graduated against the kind of incomes and life stage or life circumstance a person find themselves in. 
Uh, Pete, what kind of a range are you seeing in church consultations about giving? It's a great question, Scott. One of the things we're doing is uh, in our consults, rather than just doing it generically for the whole country, we're actually looking at the Australian Bureau of Statistics website, having a look at what is household income in a particular area, because that gives you your giving unit, right? That's your household income. Uh, Once we do that, we then think, uh, if a household gave, well, if it gave two weeks' wages in a in a calendar year, so it effectively would be two weeks, a fortnight's wage. If that's actually what they gave in a calendar year, that might be something that you could realistically expect. When you think about that, if there's uh, 52 weeks in a year and you gave whatever whatever you earn in two weeks as, as, as during the whole year, it's effectively like 4%, which some of you are listening going, gee, people should give more than 4%. And we're going, yeah, in response to God's generosity, absolutely. But you'll have some people in your church giving, I don't know, 15 20%. You'll have others freeloading, giving nothing. As an average, if it's around that 4% mark, that's probably a, not a bad way to think. So just to put some numbers on that, yeah. uh, if we if we think about Australia and the average weekly income, it's about $1,500. Yeah, so some way, if you've got a household income around, let's just put it in round numbers, so it's easy, $100,000, you'd be giving away $4,000 in a calendar year. What's that divided at by 50? You get something like, what's the number there, Scott? I can't do the number, mass in my head that quickly on a... On a, on a it's, about, it's about 75 bucks. 75 bucks a week. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, that's where we're landing it there. Um, but but that, look, that obviously changes depending on the context. That's right. That's what we might see as the healthy mark, and it will change depending on context and where you are. Now, now it's helpful to know that kind of just gives you a sense of health. Yeah. Uh, you can then look at your own numbers. You can break it down and, yeah. and see how many giving units we have, how many giving units ought to we ought we have. So we've got a number of people potentially uh, who who aren't giving to church, and and there's a you know there's an issue, mm. there's a discipleship issue, worthwhile kind of thinking into you know what's going on there. Um, now I often get this by you know by a number of people. Should the pastor know the names of people who are giving, and should they know exactly how many? Uh, you know how many and and what? Yeah, you know, and, I'm, and you know, Tom's just shaking his head over here. Uh, you know, as he's listening in, I reckon everyone's got an opinion. What do you What do you think? Certainly, for me, uh, as a pastor, when I was at, when I was a senior leader at Wagga, uh, I always wanted to know how um, the total giving, obviously, and the health of that giving. But individual names and what individuals gave, I always decided not to know. I know in the Obviously, in the in the cash world, you know, you've rewind this forty years, and everyone's giving cash, and there's no way you could know, uh, or easily know. Uh, nowadays, with electronic giving, you can find that out quickly if you really wanted to. But we always made a big thing of saying, no, the pastors would would know the bottom line, uh, but we wouldn't know what individual people gave, just to protect us from showing favoritism. And sometimes you could avoid having a difficult conversation with someone because they're a big giver. When actually, under God, you need to have that conversation. So there's a means of protection. But so that's really helpful. That that enables you to have um, you know have the discipleship conversations with people. But but there's still an awareness of uh, of what's going on yes. at the top level, but also in, in some senses at the individual level, it's just de-identified. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you know that there's a number of people in church who aren't giving. So when you do the challenge, hey, there are some people in this in this room who are who are perhaps being generous, but they're not being generous to church, uh, and they ought to start giving. There are you know there are yeah. people in this room who we know are giving, who are giving lots, and people who who we, who we know aren't. And Again, we want people to be cheerful givers. We want to be giving out of that's right uh, out, out of and in response to the grace that we've received. Because in the de-identified data, if you say if you've got a hundred giving units in your church, but only twenty percent of them are providing ninety percent of the funds, then that's a helpful 
de-identified piece of data to know because there's a lot of people in your church family who are immature when it comes to money at that point. Yeah. Now, now, Pete, you've been around been around a while. You know, you've been had the apprenticeship and had asked people to support you in your apprenticeship. You've probably had to ask people to support you through college. You've been a an assistant and been a lead pastor. Uh, what's changed on this topic for you? Uh, how have you how have you grown and developed in your thinking on it? Oh, look, one of the, one of the things that's ch- that's changed in my thinking as a leader is um, is just the whole budgeting experience. Just how to how to budget. I, I, firstly, I've I've become much more comfortable asking people for money. I don't think uh, any leader uh, who's leading a church can live in that world of I'm so uncomfortable about it I'll never do it I always still feel a little awkward <laughs> there's no doubt I don't think you'll ever lose that well many people don't don't, don't lose that but I've been fully persuaded that uh, it's important to talk to people about it and you're actually giving them a the opportunity the privilege to serve rather than just to serve themselves with their money see it as an opportunity yeah can, can I can I just push into that budget question because I, I think a lot of people ask that how do how, how do you set the budget for the next year you know how do you decide upon you know, what's a realistic goal to have in terms of seeing an increase in giving and an increase in offertories in, in church life? Yeah, well, one of the things I think in, in budgeting well to do is to think through, um, is getting people to give some indication of what they think they'll be able to give in the coming year. Uh, in some ways, if you run a church budget, you, you know, you, you haven't, you're not a profit in a sense that you can determine precisely exactly what we're going to spend next year. What you're effectively saying to the, your church family is going, we've given this consideration, we've given this careful thought, here's our best guess about what we think we're going to need to spend next year in order to see this difference made for the kingdom. And then to say to the church family, this is our best guess of what we need. If you can give us your best guess at what you can give, then that'd be fantastic. And so uh, this is one of the things I wish I'd implemented uh, years ago when I was at Wagga. But if I was running a church now, I'd, I think I'd do this regularly. So, Pete, what's the one thing you want to say about expectations for giving? Speak to the heart. My expectations is that God's people aren't stingy. And so speak to the heart and speak regularly to them about not being stingy with their money. So I just want to jump into the toolbox uh, very quickly. I talk about Rod Irvine's book, uh, Giving Generously. I think that's a great resource. It's one that I uh, often send to pastors when they're thinking about uh, this topic. Uh, another book, uh, a bit more theological. If you haven't thought lots about uh, about the topic of money, then I'd encourage you to you know think think deeply about some of those key uh, key passages that we've referred to uh, today. Neither poverty nor riches are a biblical theology of. Uh, of what the Bible says uh, about money. And the last one is, um, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it a few times, but there's a book called Vital Signs by Tony Morgan. He has a whole bunch of sort of you know data and expectations. And he's got a chapter in that book uh, that pushes into the whole topic of, uh, of, of, of money and expectations around uh, finances and debt and other things. I just think that's a really helpful book uh, to sort of get some metrics about average giving, uh, how many weeks in reserve you want to have? What happens if a church then jumps into debt? You know, what's a reasonable amount of debt mm. uh, to have on your on your balance sheet? Uh, how ought you think about say start you know staff numbers and giving uh, as well? Uh, so, uh, vital signs. Tony Morgan, another another good book. Again, it's in the North American context, so you might want to uh, read it through that lens. But I think a lot of it sort of carries across to our Aussie context here uh, pretty easily as well. 
just want to give another plug for the Reach Australia National Conference. Uh, it's happening again in May 2023. Excellent now, to get to, Scott. Now, Pete, uh, you always brought your staff team to it. Yeah. Um, how did you make the most of uh, having your team there at Reach Australia Conference? The excellent thing about having the, the whole team there, and actually sometimes if you can even get some of your high-level volunteers to come, not only does it energise them for, um, for the ministry at hand, but there's just so many good changes that come out of the conference that you can make. And then everyone being aware and thinking and hearing the same things, coming back, just energise for kingdom change. Yeah. Well, there you go. Get along to Reach Australia National Conference. It's pressing into the topic of uh, community, uh, but it'll be a place where hopefully you can move your team towards growth and change. 8 to 11 May 2023 at EV Church on the Central Coast. Head to reachaustralia.com.au today and register. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Peter Blanche. Chat soon.